G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation and heard on your local community radio station. Last week saw a national walkout of early childhood educators covered by the United Workers Union calling for better pay, more respect for their work and a restructure of the whole sector to be community-centred rather than profit-driven. We'll report on the Melbourne Rally. Then we'll report from the pavements outside Reading's Bookshop in Carlton, Melbourne, as the dispute for a livable wage has gone up a notch, with the protected action ballot gaining over a 90% approval rating from the RAFU Retail and Fast Food Workers Union members working for the business. But first, some union news. The threatened strike of baggy chandlers employed by Donata at Adelaide, Sydney and Brisbane airports was called off when an in-principle agreement was reached. The Transport Workers Union, the TWU, outlined the movement on key claims. Back pay, 1-4% 2020 and 4% 2021. Pay increase, 1-4.6% for 2022 and 4.6% in 2023. Superannuation fought off attack to their super and kept it to 0.5% above the government guarantee. Part-time to full-time conversion, one improvements to conversion rights. Part-time overtime, one huge improvements for overtime payments for part-timers. Job security, one conversion rights of labour hire to permanent. Consultation, company must consult when considering any change. Allowances to be paid for all classifications, including loaded rates and night soil allowance increased. Higher duties, one improvements. Agreement expiry 30th of June 2024 in line with other aviation agreements so they can fight as an industry. Meetings will be held to discuss the endorsed offer with members. If endorsed, the agreement will go to the Fair Work Commission for approval. It was announced that the Fair Work Commission disallowed Spitzer's push to put crews on their tugboats back to the modern award, saying there were no grounds for sidestepping EBA negotiations based on the present existing EBA wages and conditions. Spitzer, owned by multinational Merckst, has refused to abide by the Fair Work Commission ruling and has moved to have the adjudicating commissioner removed on the grounds he's too pro-union. When an employer refuses to abide by the umpire's decision while unions have been given many adverse decisions while continuing to play by what many consider to be a loaded dice, the only conclusion is they think they are above the law. The outcome to this dispute is critical to justice in the workplace and should be carefully watched. USG Borrow Plasterboard in Port Melbourne, now owned by German multinational Koff, has workers in a dispute over safety and job security with protected action including stoppages daily at 11am to 1pm. 
The workers are covered by the CFMEU. This is what their organiser, Kylie Brown, said. They did put out a, um, the document with a 5% increase in the first year, 4% in the second, 35 and 3.5% in the third and fourth. Now, that's pretty decent considering where CPI and stuff is at, but it's not really about the money. They're trying to take the boys backwards in reducing their manning levels and bringing in more labour hire. So they're really trying to casualise the workforce, and yeah. we're not going to stand for that. They're trying to buy you off with the, good, good, the money and then buy Give off, you a buy carrot off, and lose buy, all your conditions. Buy off the conditions, yeah. Yeah, yeah the boys weren't buying that, yeah. so it was good. Well, it sounds like you've got a pretty united workforce down there, 100% behind the... The um, claim? Yeah, the the members are fantastic. They're truly united and we've had some... Our delegates and our HSRs have been working so hard over the last couple of weeks to get everything in place. So I do want to give them a big shout-out because they've been going above and beyond for us. It's just really great down there to see how united the boys are and, and they're willing to stick it out and fight for what they deserve. I did see on Facebook how, how bad the OH&S was down there. Like, it was pretty bad conditions, really. You know, oh, especially for WorkSafe and the support, two-week shutdown. You, know, <laughs> you get it fixed. Yeah, Yeah. well, um, they had a whole range of issues. You know, it wasn't just one thing, but in their mill area where they just get all the gypsum and everything in, it was just the amount of dust in that area it was just absurd. You, you would never... You'd never let anybody walk in there if you if you didn't have to. So they've been working on reducing the dust and finding out where it is and cleaning it up. And they didn't have any traffic management plan in place, so that was a big issue because there's a lot of shared areas between trucks, forklifts and pedestrians. Um, they didn't have decent for, uh, first aid facilities for high-risk work, and that is one of the reasons um, why they were shut down for so long as well until they could get that underway. What they decided to do was renovate their office block, which had the toilets, the offices and the lunch rooms, and then give the guys these tiny little uh, site sheds that were not compliant, and so they couldn't really provide decent amenities and facilities either, which you would think that they would have had that planned before they started knocking down their office block. But, oh, you speak for a multinational company, they'd be all over it, you know what I mean? We are dealing with yeah. Borrell. They've got a bit of a history, Borrell. They do indeed, yes. It's not a good one. The Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, and the Australian Council of Social Service, ACOS, have reached an agreement out of the recent Jobs and Skills Summit that calls for a range of policy changes, including lifting JobSeeker and related income support payments to pension levels from $46 to $70 per day, creation of secure, well-paid jobs in the community and care sectors, including through adequate funding and expanded access to a fairer and simpler bargaining system, including multi-employer bargaining, replacement of the racist and discriminatory CDP with employment programs designed by First Nations communities, which will deliver secure employment and drive economic growth in remote communities. ACOS Acting CEO Edwina MacDonald said, 
Achieving and sustaining full employment is key to lifting living standards, investment and productivity and bringing people into employment who have so far been frozen out, including the 760,000 people long-term on unemployment payments. History shows we cannot take low unemployment for granted. It should be at the centre of our collective efforts in the summit and beyond. ACTU Secretary Sally McManus said, The community and disability industries was much smaller 30 years ago and now they are a large part of an economy employing around 2 million workers, most of whom are women. They deserve the same right to collective bargaining as other workers and only a modern bargaining system that allows multi-employer bargaining will deliver this. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Hundreds of childcare centres shut on Early Childhood Educator Day on September the 7th as workers covered by the United Workers' Union called for action against low pay in an industry that has been privatised, making profits for shareholders while leaving them out of pocket. They called for greater respect for the important work they do and an overhaul of the industry. Kelly Whitmore was down at the Melbourne Rally in Federation Square. Hi, I'm Leslie Death and I am an early childhood educator in Roeville. And I'm David Stairs, I'm an early childhood educator in Cranbourne. Um, Leslie and... David. Leslie and David, why um, have you come down here? What is this event we're at today? We are protesting, specifically right now we're protesting, but today we are striking in general and some centres are closing down to prove a point of how few staff there are and how stressful it is, and it's a lot. And so we're trying to make it so that our voices are known because you keep seeing all the news about how they're doing the job summit and stuff and they're talking about how we're going to make child or early, early learning more affordable for parents and for single mums and this and that and that. But there's nothing about how we're going to make it like feasible for educators to stay in our positions because we make next to nothing and if you're not in a relationship with someone who makes enough to carry a house, you can't stay in the job. Most people leave. Our turnover rate for 2018, before COVID, was 37 to 45% turnover in a year. And it's gotten worse. Yeah. Well, you said a lot there. Do you want to yeah. break, break down some of those things? Um, why are people leaving in droves? Um, well, actually, I'd first like to start off by saying that um, we are educators. Uh, we work in the early childhood education industry, not childcare. No. One of the big things the government seems to do is just refer to us as childcare. We're not. Um, and, yeah. When you mean early childhood educator, what do you mean exactly? Well, 97% of brain development happens before the age of five. So if we're not there to educate the children, if all we do is look after them and keep them safe, then the rest of the world, they're going to have no hope in primary school, no hope in high school, no hope, you know, in the future getting jobs. We're basically the backbone of the education industry as a whole. We educate, and the government seem to just look at us and think, they look after children, we'll pay them as glorified babysitters. So that's one thing we need to change. But um, there is, yeah, there is so much work we do that goes unnoticed for such little pay that people will, like, I've known good colleagues drop out and get other jobs they're not happy with, but they're jobs that they can survive, which is not fair to them, it's not fair to us, not fair to the children. 
Um, what about this job summit? What was all that about? So the government's just done a job summit on, I want to say it's to how to how to get more people working and how to boost um, or how to minimise the unemployment rate and make it so that the industries that don't have enough people working in it have more people working in it. But they've mentioned ways to get parents back to work and all of this, but there's nothing about how they're going to support us because we are understaffed, we are overworked, it's ridiculous. Every educator I know takes their work home and works at home with it. Like planning, learning stories, and we're only just reaching the point where we're saying, no, this is ridiculous, we don't need to do this. We are not paid enough for this. And all the efforts that they have made at this summit, um, which they think will help the industry, such as free TAFE courses and uni courses, are not the issue. Because it's not getting people into the field, it's keeping, it's keeping them in the field because the burnout rate is just so high. So they need to focus on that rather than getting the people into the field, and that's just not what they're doing. So that's what we hope to achieve today. Yeah. Why, do these, why are these conditions so abysmal? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, yeah, well, like I said... Um, do you want to answer? You can have a think about it. You, you start, I'll come back to you. Yeah, like, like I said earlier, they just look at us as you know childminders. Um, but and during the whole lockdown, we were essential in the fact oh, that man, we could be there to look after the children of essential workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't any sort of provided PPE for us that would be beneficial. It was just yep. you guys take the bullet so that everyone else can do their jobs. Yep. Um, and there was just nothing for us in that. Um, as educators, we, we during that time we couldn't do our jobs, but we had to do, you know, our jobs for everyone else. Yes, but also they were like only essential. I don't know if this happened to your centre, but this happened at my centre and a lot of others. But only essential workers can bring their kids in, and then a week later it was, uh, if you've got a piece of paper that says you're an essential worker, you can bring your kid in. If you've got a piece of paper that you've ticked, you can bring your kid. It went from only essential workers to pretty much everyone. We went from expecting potentially five kids a week whose parents were both doctors, emergency response, that sort of thing. And then we it ended up being within like a month or two, it went up to like 25% capacity. And we work at a 100 centre, 100 place a day centre. It was ridiculous. And there was nothing, there was no PPE, there was nothing for us. We didn't get... We didn't get um, rapid tests until oh, it, was, it was only recently. It was like the beginning of, of the year. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, you guys have to do weekly tests. And so it was literally, it was all of our co-workers who were still at work because half of our staff were in and then the other half were, were not working from home because you couldn't really work from home. But we would stand around an iPad with the where is the nearest rapid test go loading and then as soon as one popped off we would have to send someone to go get them because we were being expected to test without being provided anything to do so with. And it was ridiculous. So what would be your top three demands thinking about the, the world that you inhabit for yourself, for your colleagues and for families and children? What would be your top three um, things that you would want Currently, we need a reason for educators to either return to the industry or stay in the industry. So, higher pay is the easiest one. That's the most obvious. Yeah. But then there's like, there's things like um, most of the centres 
are private owned and so all of this money that's going towards early learning the parents pay we see almost none of it it's all going to the company owners and half the time educators don't get access to resources where I am currently we're, we're good and they give us a monthly budget that we're allowed to work with but before that when we had our old owners they bought resources when we opened and then left it for six years and then wondered why we had nothing and it was ridiculous so like not short term but long term changing the industry in total and, and making it so that it's less privatised and making it more accessible would be very good yeah, definitely higher pay. What was your third yeah. thing there? Do you agree or have any differences? No, 100% agree. It definitely has to be about the children and the educators over the profits. Yeah. Um, and at this stage, it's not. I mean, the profits come first for all these independently owned businesses. And because of that, children are, you know, getting neglected. It's a tough word, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and we just need to get that point across. Yeah. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Reading's bookshop workers have taken their call for a livable wage one step further over the last few weeks, with 93% vote for protected action. This dispute has been going for five years, with the Swish inner-city woke bookshop continuing to open branches and warehouses but failing to value the contribution workers make with a basic livable wage. This move by these retail workers, covered by RAFU, is particularly significant since, except for meat workers, this is the first action of this sort in the retail industry in 50 years in Victoria. The store we're standing out in front of today has books on its shelves that talk about the struggles of workers, workers fighting for a better life. Work, workers just like our members inside and workers just like the, the people we're standing alongside today. You'd think, with all that knowledge on their shelves, management would know better than to run a four-year-long union-busting campaign and run out a non-union agreement to try and squash union action in the last week. We can't exactly quantify just how profoundly important the work of booksellers are to our communities but I'm pretty sure a living wage is the absolute bare minimum these workers deserve. Readings purports itself to be a progressive business. They're more than happy to accept the, the progressive dollar whilst they're reneging on promises, paying their managers huge sums and paying their workers less than a living wage. Shame. Readings has said that it would be irresponsible to pay workers a living wage. At the same time as spending over a million dollars on a new warehouse. Shame! Shame! These lies are as blatant as they are shameful. But these workers are strong and they just want a fair deal. The message at Readings couldn't be clearer. All 21 actions on the, 20, on the protected action ballot have been voted up with 93%. Of course, we wouldn't be here if readings was a reasonable business. In fear of what workers might do with that action, they've rushed out an agreement to try and get it voted up to, to prevent workers from taking industrial action. To walk away from the bargaining table at this point is absolutely disgraceful. 
We're here today to show our support for the incredible workers taking this fight for a fair deal and a fair go. But this fight isn't just their fight. It's a fight for all workers in retail. All of their wins is a win for, retail, for workers across the entire sector. So I'm going to introduce our first speaker today, who will speak from a, a position of experience. Someone who knows what it's, what it's like to come together with their workers and fight for a fair go and a better deal. I'd like to introduce you to Bruce, a staunch worker from the United Workers Union. Last year, we went on strike with six other warehouses for better, for better wages, job security and respect. As a union, we held the line and after two days, we won. It is so exciting to see retail workers holding the line and taking action. Yeah. Taking action is how you win. We, we want you to know that you have the full support of me and 500 other union members from my side. Yeah. Keep fighting, hold the line and show readings what union power looks like. Thank you. Our next speakers today are the fantastic delegates from Reading, Sally, Claire and Ender, who will share why workers are fighting and what they're fighting for. Um, my name is Sally. I'm a delegate at Readings and I work at the Hawthorne store. I want to thank you so much for coming out today. Public support of our campaign means a lot, and thank you so much to Bruce and the United Workers' Union and the 500 other warehouse workers. Really appreciate it. I've worked at Readings uh, for about three years, and in that time, workers have been fighting tooth and nail for an EBA. Readings have been against the EBA from the very start. Now, they are rushing us to vote on an EBA that we do not support. We have won a lot of good things in the process. We've got better sick leave, parental leave, we've got a stronger casual conversion rate. But the EBA that Readings has put forward for a vote does not meet our requirement for a starting living wage. We are asking for a base rate of $26 an hour at level one, $28 an hour at level three. We know that Readings can afford this. We are lucky to work at a profitable, expanding bookstore like Readings. All we ask is for a wage that reflects how hard we all work to make those profits for Readings. I want a wage that allows me to afford my rent and afford my groceries. I want a wage that allows my co-workers to afford their rent and groceries. So we are asking management to renegotiate with us, to sit down with us and talk again. If you buy a book from reading sometimes in the next week, um, tell the workers on shift that you support their right for a better, fairer EBA. Thanks so much for coming out, everyone. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Ender. I'm the delegate here at Carlton. I've been here for about two years, um, and this struggle's been going on for over five years now. Um, and it's, we've come a very long way, and we've lost a lot of colleagues and comrades along the way. 
Um, we've had to fight an uphill battle, I think. Um, we all want to stay here. We all really like working here. Um, and we've gotten, over the past six months or more, nine months through the bargaining process, to a point um, where we had an in-principle agreement. Um, unfortunately, we feel like the rug was pulled from underneath us and we've had to go public um, and we've had to um, be here today and we're really thankful for everyone's support. Um, it's been a really taxing journey for everyone involved and we can't, the workers can't um, make it clear enough how much we appreciate everyone's care, concern and solidarity. I just want to echo what Sally said. Um, at this point, we are after a living wage. And that's, it's as simple as that. We got so close. Um, and that intellectually, you know, all of us know that we can't accept any less. Emotionally, people are, are scared and have been struggling with uh, the tension and everything that this means. Um, but I, once again, I just want to thank you all and I want to pass on to Claire now. Hi everyone, um, my name is Claire, I'm also a delegate at Readings. Uh, I work over in the kind of warehouse slash office space, um, but I have a lot to do with, I feel like, um, every space at Readings. I started over in Hawthorne, um, worked in St Kilda a bit, and now I'm over here. Um, and I think something that's really, really obvious to me about working with books and with publishing um, in this country is that it is all about solidarity. It's all about selling each other's books. Um, <laughs> our wonderful delegate here, Sally, has a book out um, just in the last few days. <laughs> and our also wonderful delegate, has um, Ender, has a book as well. Um, <laughs> It's all about supporting each other and being able to read and love each other's books um, and get them out into the community. And I think that's what's so impressive about um, days like today of seeing all of you show up with solidarity for us as we give back to you as the, the kind of reading and books community. Um, I can't thank you enough um, in joining us in this fight for a living wage. Thank you. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. And you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 94198377 and leaving us a message. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together and keep safe.